Hey guys, what is up? It is Ro here today, and on today's podcast, I recorded with my friend Sam, who is a bit of an expert when it comes to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all things crypto. Uh, it was a really interesting chat. I feel like I probably understand the subject a lot better than I did probably going into this podcast. I know it's something that it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment and something that I think a lot of people have questions regarding. So hopefully you can leave this feeling a bit more educated and yeah, uh, enjoy the show guys. And, um, and that's all I really got today. Enjoy your Friday. Peace out. Sam, how do you how do you have your coffee? Uh, I have a black. You always have a black. Yes, I'm a psychopath. No, no exceptions. No exceptions. When did this begin? High school. High school. Yeah. When did you first drink coffee? That's a really good question. Um, I would say year eight. Year eight. Yeah, strange, strange. What made you drink? What made you drink coffee for the first time? Uh, taste, caffeine hit. Thought it would probably uh, do me good in the mornings, but yeah, we stuck with me. Yeah, you, were you tired at the time as a as a year eight? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, I just always find it interesting. I remember hating coffee growing up, and then I was working full time and doing uni full time, and partying harder on Saturday nights and choosing to do a early month Sunday morning shift, and that's where I found coffee. Yeah. yeah. I was actually I was telling a story today to the class. I remember. Like every Saturday, I'd hate it. Like I'd party till like 4am and then my shift would start at 6am and then I would hate my life for the next eight hours. And then one day I realized people seem to drink this black liquid and they they must, they get on with their life. And I was like, oh wow, this is magic. Uh, So today's podcast, we are going to talk about cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin and all things financial stuff. Uh, It's a big hot topic at the moment. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe tell us a little bit about what you do right now, Sam. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're right. It's absolutely going off the chain. Um, so my role over the last two years has been head analyst at uh, Crypto Consulting Institute, um, and that's a company that's uh, been around for a little while now. But um, we're one of the very few companies in Australia that specialises in teaching new investors how to safely enter and exit the market. So uh, these can be you know, sophisticated investors or they can be new investors which potentially have a retirement, you know, fund that they're looking at to get some exposure to cryptocurrency. So that's our core pillar to really, um, you know, introduce the safety and security aspect of getting in this market because there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's something that we take very seriously. How did you, how did you first get into it? Uh, I was actually one of those people that invested into cryptocurrencies in 2017. Um, I was an uneducated investor back in the day. Um, Like a lot of people, I learned from my mistakes. Um, But instead of, I guess, panic selling and making some seriously bad decisions, um, now I did do that as well, but uh, I I toughed it out um, and I used the next three years to thoroughly educate myself through my mistakes. Um, And... I just had a bug for it. Um, ever since I looked into Bitcoin um, and a lot of the other cryptocurrencies, I just couldn't shake it. It was something I always was talking with my close friends about, my family, and, what, and they tell me to shut the hell up now. Um, but uh, back in the day, it was, it was kind of like what it, was, what it is now. Um, that sentiment is 
I wouldn't say it's oversaturated yet, um, but it's just starting to come back into the consciousness. Um, so yeah, I, I started back then as, as that investor um, that I actually deal with now. So I can really lean on that experience myself um, and help those investors move through it. But uh, yeah, again, I learned so much about it, I just couldn't shake it. I like, we like to say in the industry, you're getting uh, orange peeled. <laughs> so you, you learn about Bitcoin and after that, everything doesn't seem quite right. Um, you fall down the rabbit hole and you just you just keep going. You, you're powering through and you're just digesting information, information after, after the next. And then I actually realized I was actually quite good at looking at markets and disseminating a lot of information about what's happening in the bigger picture. So if anything, what I do with the clients currently is at an advanced level. So we have multiple tiers of clients that come through with us. I deal with the mastermind clients, which are very high level. Uh, form of client, and they really need to stay ahead of market trends, cur you know, curveballs, things like that that are coming, black swans, and that's what I do. I look at markets all the time. I analyse what's happening uh, in traditional markets, so stocks, you know, gold, you know, other commodities, things like that. Um, to a lesser degree, bonds. It's coming into, uh, you know, a bit of relevancy lately with bond yields rising, but we won't get into that. Today, but looking at traditional finance compared to crypto, it has a massive impact on what happens to the cryptocurrency market. Just because it's so um, young in its development in, in terms of crypto, so yeah, traditional finance has a massive impact. And if you're watching what's happening in traditional finance, generally you can get an idea of what's happening in crypto. That's just one aspect of what I do. Also, I look at underneath the market as well. What's happening in terms of what's happening on chain? Um, so what's supply and demand looking like? Where are all where is all the capital going? So where are the inflows and outflows? What's the next niche? You know, like we're seeing right now, NFTs absolutely exploding. Well, well, yeah, I literally just heard about it today. What is an NFT? Uh, it's a non-fungible token. So it's a unique token that can't be sort of copied. It's pegged to. Okay, so the big thing at the moment is uh, flow, uh, and what's it called? Um, I'm just trying to think of the NBA partnership. I'm trying to. Okay, let, let's actually yeah. let's let's go back and let's yeah. so maybe the person who's just listening and is maybe really uneducated or wants to become educated and all these sort of things. Let's just go from scratch. So, what is cryptocurrency? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I'm sure you know. So, cryptocurrency is a bit of a misnomer. So, there are so many different forms of cryptocurrency currently. So, Bitcoin is the original currency. It's the big daddy. It's the anchor of the entire market. But there's so many other niches. So Ethereum isn't doesn't actually profess to be a currency. Ethereum is a, a open source software platform where you can build decentralized currencies on top of it. So you know there's many different okay. niches that you have. Okay, let's let's yeah. let's take one step back here. Sure. What what's a decentralized currency? Sure. So Bitcoin is the biggest example of a decentralized currency. So there's no third party or entity controlling it. So right now, fiat currency, so Australian dollars, right? The Australian government sort of guarantees that there's a the Reserve Bank of Australia is behind our currency. They can increase, you know, inflation. They can they can toy with it. It's like a manipulation device. They can print more money. Um, they can release new bonds. So a decentralized currency has no one behind it. It, it has no original creator. So Bitcoin, it's still a bit undecided how it was created. There's common consensus that it was a group of people, um, investors or um, computer programmers, engineers that got together after 2008 
absolutely, you know, distraught with what happened in 2008 financial crisis. And they said, this system is unfair. It's completely rubbish. It's broken. And if it doesn't end now in 2008, the can's going to be kicked down to the road in another couple of decades where they just, the debt rolls out of control, fiat currencies get printed into buggery, and we're going to have an even worse crash. We're going to have a Great Depression, you know, 2.0, why my republic sort of thing. And so they got together, this is the consensus, they got together and created Bitcoin. Because to people who don't know, like, it's like, it's all like a bit of a myth, really, about how it came about. A little bit. So the original creator is Satoshi Nakamoto. So that's not a real person. That's a student. Yeah, because that's what I had heard years ago in that, uh, I think I watched like a Netflix documentary that talked about Bitcoin a few years ago. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing too, because it's a, an attack vector that is taken away from anyone that wishes to do Bitcoin harm. It doesn't have a central core authority that can be you know, attacked. And that's a big advantage um, with what it's trying to do now. So decentralized currency, basically currency that's not um, you know, backed by one specific group, uh, mm. you know, to most people listening, whatever country you're from. So you know, you, your dollar from the country is generally backed by the government, right? Correct. We're, we're following there. Correct. All right, Bitcoin was one of the was the first currency, the first cryptocurrency. Yes, I mean there were other sort of digital currencies that just weren't at the stage that Bitcoin is. Um, Bitcoin really is um, it's got the brand recognition. It's really the first one that's sort of um, brought itself to critical mass. Um, yeah, so Bitcoin is based on blockchain technology, distributed ledger technology. It's and I won't get in the weeds here because I'm not a nuts and bolts guy. There's probably many people explain it better. Um, but basically, Bitcoin is a, if you're looking at the ledger, it's a distributed ledger all across the world at any given point. Anyone, anywhere can check on that ledger and verify the transactions are correct. It's fully transparent and it gets updated every 10 minutes. As opposed to? As opposed to fiat currencies where there's a bank or you know reserve bank behind the scenes that have total control over that centralized ledger they can just manipulate it they can you know print more money it doesn't matter and one of bitcoin's really amazing attributes is it's 21 million hard cap so there can be never there can never be any more bitcoin than 21 million fiat currencies we're seeing why bitcoin's becoming so popular is because people are sort of waking up there's this conscious uh, awakening about everyone saying well if they can just keep printing money why can't we, why are we paying taxes? You know, why can't they just pay the tax infrastructure Will they just keep printing money? Is this just infinite? Are they just going to keep printing money? And what's happening is it's like just 101. If you're putting more and more of a currency out there, you want to be losing purchasing power with all the currency that's, you know, already in circulation. Because And that's exactly kind of what happens in a lot of, um, I don't want to say, actually, fuck it. I grew up, like, I like third world countries. Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're a really great... Um, vision of the future if we keep going the way we're going and i'm not saying as an investor myself an educator and sort of in the investing side of things i'm not an educator of bitcoin I'm an sort of, i help educate investors about the value proposition of this asset and this asset class that is one of the core reasons i i really believe in bitcoin because of that you know it, we, we can see through what can happen through hyperinflation it's a horrible, horrible situation. And right now you've got Venezuela, Argentina, Turkey, um, and a few that escape my mind um, that 
it just must be tragic over there. I mean, they're using wheelbarrows. It's very reminiscent of um, Germany in the 1930s. Um, oh, sorry, 1920s and 1930s through the Great Depression. Um, and I recently saw a picture that for one chicken in Venezuela, it's, um, you know, multiple stacks of bills. It's just a horrible situation. People are crying out for a store of value. It's digital, 24-7, doesn't lose value over time. We'll get into that a bit later. But just, just to have a peg, a store of value that does not lose that value if the government decides to suddenly print. No one can print more Bitcoin. And that's what makes it really powerful. So essentially, from my, so if I'm following correctly, because I've never, I think I've understood it from a, without really thinking about it too much, but essentially in some of those countries, what's happening is the government's printed more money Correct. than they should have, and then the yes. money that people currently had loses value Correct. and loses purchasing power. The problem with those countries in particular, and that's why it's a petri dish to what might happen in the future, is greed and people put themselves between the people and the currency. They have a very small group of people who are mostly unelected. If you look at the Federal Reserve in the US and also the RBA in Australia, no one elected them. They actually have an outsized um, effect on everyone's lives. So right now, Australia is actually undertaking one of the most aggressive QE campaigns. And QE's, you hear it in the news and stuff, and most people are like, what the hell is that? I'm not going to really care. QE is basically another fancy way of saying money printing. So Australia is actually one of the most aggressive companies in, countries in the world that are printing money. And it does worry me a lot. And this is why I think that pivot to digital currencies is so strong because we do see what's happened in Venezuela. We do see what's happened when the worst does happen, when a small group of people uh, continue to print money thinking that's going to solve the problem. And that's not going to solve the problem at all because there's there's no value behind these pieces of paper. And it just, it all comes to all fiat currencies are self-annihilating. What does uh, fiat stand for? Uh, so fiat currencies are a currency that's issued by the government. They say it, it has value. So almost yeah. has value. Um, okay, so uh, so does this still occur? So I remember back in the day, mm. I guess you assume that your dollar is backed by gold. Is that still correct or not? So that, yeah, it's a common misconception. So... The US dollar used to be backed by gold up until the 1970s, uh, I believe. Um, Richard Nixon took it off the gold standard, which is probably the worst decision that we've seen, but it's probably accelerating what we see things uh, seeing right now. Um, and that was to, the belief is he did that to fund the Vietnam War. So if you take the dollar off the gold standard, so whatever was in Fort Knox, um, you know, pegged to the gold, they can just print as much money as they want to fund their war. Um, if it was pegged to gold, they couldn't do that. They'd need to actually go out and have that gold pegged to the dollar then release. Like actually mine more gold. So yeah, then, yeah, and then you've got that whole thing where if you go mine more gold, you're actually increasing the gold supply in market. So, you know, after a while, it, gold is inflationary. Um, not many people know that, but more gold comes on the market. The higher the gold price goes, the more gold will be mined to bring more to market. And yeah, so... Okay, very interesting. Yeah. Something that I remember hearing years ago about cryptocurrency is um, it can be mined. Mm -hmm. So explain that. What does that, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so because when people think of mining, they think of, you know, like yeah. a wheelbarrow and like a, you know, hitty, you know, your yeah. hammer and you're chipping away. But, you know, mm -hmm. there's uh, cryptocurrency mining, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all these big machines and computers and it all looks very complicated to me. And it is a very complicated topic. Um, and again, I'm probably not the best person to ask about the nuts and bolts of crypto mining, but my understanding is just a visualization of what it is. It's exactly like 
in, in essence, mining gold. Um, you, you basically have a gold mine, but the way you're mining the gold is not through digging holes in the ground and you know, doing all that stuff, all that human labor. It's using computer power. So think of all the you know, best PC gaming rigs you've ever had in your life. If you just plug them um, all together, you, you create a certain, we call it a hash rate, but it's a, um, the level of computing power can, go, uh, can be jointly put together and then used to mine Bitcoin in cyberspace. You're basically solving blocks, which are transactions or problems. Okay, how does this relate to the fact that there can only ever be 21 million Bitcoin? Yeah, so there's only ever 21 million Bitcoin and Bitcoin will continue continually be mined until the last Bitcoin is, so the last Bitcoin block is solved. So each Bitcoin block that is mined, the miners get a reward for doing that from the Bitcoin network. They receive Bitcoin from doing that. Uh, and that will continue till, um, I believe, 21-something. So, so how much of the 21 million has been mined? About 18%. Oh, okay. So oh, sorry, 80%. About 80%. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. Yes, um, but as the uh, as we mine more and more Bitcoins, we're at 80-something percent, so we're getting very close to the 21 million, it gets more difficult to mine. So that's why it sort of pushes it out to about 21-something. So the last Bitcoin will be mined mineral debt so that's, that's basically the, the moral of that story um, and there was something else I wanted to say about Bitcoin mining um, did you have any more questions about it? Uh, no no I mean and I understand that it's a it's a pretty complicated topic to go to to deep into so a few years ago Bitcoin came came out right and um, you know I remember it when it first came out it was this you know really big revolutionary thing I think yeah. uh, you know, there's so many different angles to Bitcoin, right? Like I think most people right now probably are excited about it because they maybe look at it and they think, oh, I made some money or I could make some money. Yep. Um, but then there's a whole other aspect to it, right? Which um, is probably really interesting that we're talking about it in COVID times where um, like it's entirely digital. It's something that's hard, hard to regulate through the government. Yes. Um, and we're coming in a time where uh, regulation from government authorities is probably at an all-time high, yep. higher than it's ever been. Correct. And if, um, you know, if you're somebody, I think, with maybe two cents to your brain, you can understand how that's maybe not a good thing. Um, and, I, and to be honest, I find it really interesting, not interesting, I find it really, um, I'm going to say it really bluntly, I think it's fucked that people don't care more about this. Yeah, like, totally do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's really scary that the government now knows, they know where you're at, they know where you've been, they know where you're, you're going. Like, there's, you, there's this complete control about... Um, there's no autonomy to your to your being, and um, you know I don't think it's me being an alarmist. I think that's just me looking and saying like this yeah. this I don't think this is a good thing long term, right? Like I I come from a um a, uh, a country where um you know there was communism once upon a time, and there was uh you know the opposite, right? Like fascism, and you had very strong dictators who uh, dictated things, and you know affected a lot of um the, yeah, this, yeah exactly, yeah. and I think we live in a lot of these really westernized countries where the pride in the country isn't your freedom. It's, it's being taken away. So talk about that. Like when Bitcoin first came out, that was a big selling point to it, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when it first came out, it was just a joke. It was an absolute joke. Not, not saying that, so the fundamentals of Bitcoin has not changed one iota. In fact, it is just it's continued to maybe grow more valuable in terms of its fundamental value, in terms of what it can offer the world. But back in the day, it was a joke. Um, you know, you had the Winklevoss twins that you've seen from Social Network. They're actually Bitcoin billionaires now. Um, they were one of the earliest advocates of Bitcoin. They bought it very, very early. 
there were a few really early adopters, early miners, um, and not you know miners per se, but um, uh, some of them did mine, and, and they they mined. If you hear the news, actually, there was a really good bit of news in the UK. There is a guy that has bought a rubbish tip because he was one of the early Bitcoin miners. So he he went on the network and just started mining some Bitcoin onto his hard drive, and now he's that, that hard drive is now worth five hundred million, I'd say something something ridiculous, right? And he went and bought the rubbish tip in the UK to try and find that hard drive that he threw out. I have heard about this. Yes. Yes. So there are early adopters that got in you know, really early, have, had all this Bitcoin, didn't realize how big this could be. Some were really evangelical um, and you know held onto it, realized that the power this might have, but traditional finance thought they were a bug and they didn't worry about them. Bitcoin has this amazing ability. Every four years through its you know, halving cycle, and we can get to that in a sec, where it has these booms and busts, right? Every single boom and bust, Bitcoin has, finds a higher floor, let's say. So the price is always moving up, just according to its mathematical algorithm. And each four years, and this is what I've seen being through cycle, um, is the entrenchment grows. So entrenchment, when I say that, I mean within traditional finance, within governments. In many respects, I've seen it's like the Trojan horse of, of finance. And it's, it's taking the world on without a lot of people really realising it. Uh, there's six um, congressmen and senators in the US, I believe there's six total, that are pro-Bitcoins, like they're full-on Bitcoins now. And traditional finance is pivoting really hard into Bitcoin right now. A lot of people don't even know this, um, but some of the biggest funds in the world are investing in it. We're talking insurance funds, we're talking pension funds. PayPal, Visa, MasterCard releasing crypto related platforms towards the end of the year there are billion dollar fortune 500 companies now putting bitcoin on their balance sheet instead of us dollars because they can see the outlook 10 20 years and again that's kind of what i do i look at the bigger picture um i'm not a, you know a total expert at that but it's something i've become really good at um and it's something i really enjoy doing a, a broad picture look at the the forecast and you can see the trend the trend is so clear it's all going digital Fiat currency is being devalued. You know, you've got Bitcoin over here that's getting more in demand uh, and it's only got a 21 million hard cap. So as an investor, looking at that equation, your fiat currencies are unlimitedly being printed. Bitcoin becoming more popular, hard cap 21 million. That supply and demand metric is just, it blows my mind that more people aren't realizing it. But it's all back to education. The media does a really poor job at educating people um, about Bitcoin. And, that's real shame. Do governments not want Bitcoin to take off? Some really don't, but some really do. Um, Bitcoin, on the from from the outside, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like it would be a good thing for government. No, that's right. Um, but there is, like, again, there's an awakening that Bitcoin might just be the escape hatch for the horrible mess that we've gotten ourselves into. Uh, in terms of debt, in terms of currency printing. We're in this sort of spiral where the answer to all our problems is just to print more money. And COVID has accelerated the whole issue because just in Australia, just as a, an example, um, you know, we had JobKeeper, which they had to print all that money to take on more debt. Uh, in the US, uh, here's a stat. So uh, last time I checked, it was about 40% of all US dollars ever in existence were printed in the last 12 months. 
Wow. Yeah, so that's looking at the M1 monetary supply. Um, and the Federal Reserve is just printing like crazy. And then you had, um, and it was it was warranted, the $1.9 trillion, in my opinion, um, the people needed that stimulus check. Like, we in Australia, we've been really lucky. We had the government acted really quick uh, and whatnot. But, you know, it all, it's rocket fuel for Bitcoin. In the US, another $1.9 trillion got printed to give everyone stimulus checks. Everyone's happy in the short term. It's almost like keeping the masses happy in the short term by throwing food at them. But in the end, it just it's just delaying the inevitable. But you, you, you've got to give those people the checks, obviously, because they, they need money, they need food and whatnot. But the bigger picture, it's pretty pretty bleak. It, in my opinion, if we didn't have Bitcoin, we'd, we'd be in a lot of trouble. So time. I guess <clears throat> you can say it more bluntly. What yep. What is the bigger picture that people maybe don't think long term? So what, what does happen when too much money gets printed to the person who hasn't maybe worked it out? Uh, I'd say anyone needs to go back and look at history in uh, the Weimar Republic in Germany uh, before the Second World War. Um, look, I'm, I'm fairly positive and optimistic about the future, um, but that's maybe because my understanding of Bitcoin as an investment and as a hedge against inflation is so strong. So my understanding is good, but a lot of people, it must feel like you're just in this nine to five rat race. It's just continuously moving forward. But yeah, the the end game of all this is eventually paper currency is just going to be utterly or mostly worthless in our eyes. Um, it's not going to happen fast. It's going to happen slowly. The US dollar is going to be with us for a, for a while yet. It's not like this is going to happen overnight. In my opinion, this is all just my opinion. It's not financial advice, guys, at all. But uh, the US dollar is the global reserve currency. Apparently, that's not changing. All the world's trade is denominated in US dollars. All the world's debt is denominated in US dollars. It's not going anywhere. But every other country in the world has currencies that aren't the, the, you know, the global reserve currency, and they start printing money at under uncontrollable levels, then they're in trouble. So we'll be in trouble if we keep doing what we're doing. We'll lose our purchasing power. All our assets will just keep going up. You've seen the housing bubble we have currently. Housing prices just continually go and we'd be in a bit of trouble if uh, mortgage rate starts rising and everyone goes in default and whatnot. But that's another story entirely. But you, you'll notice this, that hard assets like gold, silver, um, Bitcoin will just continue to rise. And it's not so much that they're gaining value. It's that what we price them in is losing value with every year that goes by. And when you think about it like that, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Um, we lose purchasing power every single year. And it's not many people know that. Right? It's through inflation, it's through QE. So in, in simple terms, yeah. it would be impossible who would eventually buy houses or buy expensive assets. Um, I don't think it'd be impossible. It would be hard. It would be, yeah, it would be hard. Yeah. It would be hard. And we're already seeing that now. Um, our generation is probably the last one that, in my opinion, that can, I don't want to say easily, but we can... I mean, it's, so for example, right now, if you're like a single person, it's harder for you to buy a house. Absolutely. Like significantly harder than if you have a partner. Absolutely. Um, and, and the issue that Australia has as well is people are just so over leveraged. Um, they've gone out and taken out huge home loans with, you know, suddenly COVID comes, suddenly their job security is not so secure anymore. And then they're stuck with a mortgage that they just can't pay off. So a lot of people feel the need to take out enormous mortgages as well. So you've got sort of those two extremes. You've got one extreme like the uh, the younger generations that just want to buy out, they want to own property, but they can't. It's just too expensive. Um, and their purchasing power is dropping every single year. So it doesn't matter how much savings they put away. 
Uh, I mean, if you're an excellent saver, yeah, you might get lucky, and you, there are people that will still be able to do it. Um, but I can just see it getting much harder. So it's just trending that way. Um, yeah, it, life is going to be pretty difficult if we lose our purchasing power every year. Food will go up. Um, you know, all the important stuff will go up. But consumables in terms of you know televisions and all that kind of bullshit that you really don't need in your life um, will continue to drop. I think um, because there's so much supply, it's just continuously being pumped into circulation. We're we're almost getting distracted by all that stuff. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a bit concerning. So many questions. Yeah. Uh, so Bitcoin was the first major Bitcoin, right? So. Yeah. From the outside looking in, uh, people maybe, uh, you know, you, you get all these, I get all these ads all the time on YouTube and yeah. other places of like, uh, there's different types of currencies, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other popular ones? Yeah, absolutely. So most people have heard of Ethereum, I'm sure. Um, and as I said earlier, it's, that is just, all cryptocurrency is really, in a nutshell, it's just software. Um, so Bitcoin is a currency. Ethereum tries to be a open source software platform. So think of the App Store uh, with Apple, right? Yeah. Apple controls that. They have total say and sway over everything. And there's a lot of issues with censorship currently. If you wanted to go to Ethereum, you could build any app or decentralized app on there you wanted and have no third party above you dictating what you can do, what you can't do. So Ethereum is an App Store essentially. Yes, you can spend it as a currency as well. Um, so with because, because the App Store has value, is that why you can spend it as a currency? Uh, well, Ethereum is based on blockchain too. So okay. you can you know, it, trade it or use it as a form of remittance, but it's you know, generally pretty slow and cumbersome. It's got a lot on that network right now. Um, and a lot of the crypto, so you've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then all the other, and I don't want to say total crap, but there is a lot of crap and scams and the rest. So you really have to do your due diligence. Um, but a lot of those extra, sorry, a lot of those extra tokens are actually built on top of Ethereum. Okay. Yes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine that. So they yes. are apps inside of the or blockchains inside of Ethereum. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can build. So there's different layers. Um, you know, layer because it's a software, so you can build things correct. inside of the software. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Ethereum, look, it's a complicated topic as well. Anything in crypto can actually be really complicated. It's really even if you just ask me what is Bitcoin. No, no, you, yeah, I think you've done the best job so far. I've yeah. literally tried to understand this many times, <laughs> uh, and I love how I'm trying to pretend like I'm understanding it right now. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, people. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, all the other ones. Yes. Do the other ones kind of all go on the same basis of Bitcoin? Like they can only be X amount of the currency. So some do and some don't. Some have unlimited supply. You've got to watch out for those ones, depending on what their use case is. Uh, look, most cryptocurrencies outside of Bitcoin Ethereum are utility tokens. So they have a purpose, right? So one might be uh, a token that is only used for ride sharing or um, that's a really good use case. Oh, here's one. So there's one called VeChain, which aims to just be a logistics currency, like a ledger for logistics. So it improves the entire chain, you know, from um, from farmer to distributor and whatnot. You can see at any one point, if say VeChain's implemented into a business, you can see at any one point if there's been tampering, if there's been any fraudulent action, if there's been, you know, say with vaccines, that's a really good sort of uh, point here. 
something like that would be very interesting to see if it needs to be temperature controlled, you know, from say the factory the vaccine's made, it's put on a ship, you know, it's moved through all these different chains, this blockchain will tell you everything you need to know um, at any one point. And local blockchains are updated very fast, very quickly. It's it's pretty groundbreaking. Um, if you've watched any TED Talks over the last 10 years, you'll see how many really smart people are advocating um, blockchain technologies, basically internet 2.0. Completely revolutionising everything we do. I can potentially see a point in time where most things we operate with are blockchain based. It doesn't need to be, a lot of things don't need to be on blockchain, but it's useful. It's useful. I think I've met people who tried to start cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. Does that seem accurate? As in, you've met. Um, like who, like to create yeah, 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 like yeah, like that people like that's the thing people are trying to do, right? Yeah, if uh, I'd run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't invest in that, but I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, um, yeah, no, like I've met people who, um, yeah, no, I mean, at the time I wasn't. It seemed, I mean, I'll reserve what I thought about it uh, to myself, um, but yeah, so. There is lots out there, and yes, so this is where it gets uh, maybe tricky because I, you know, and I think, yeah. I think you've said it once, and I'll say it again. I understand the legalities of this. This is not financial yeah. advice. Absolutely, we're just two people talking. Just shooting the breeze. Right? Just shooting the breeze. Yeah, shooting the breeze. Uh, but there, there's lots of people maybe out there. We should yes. maybe uh, educate them that there is lots of scams or yes. people trying to take advantage of uh, people's monies and uh, the opportunity that people are seeing in cryptocurrency, like it's, it's a big buzzword right now. Yes. And because uh, people can, I guess, lean on the fact that it's really complicated to understand, yep. you know, exactly. to the lay person, it's all same, same, right? 100%. That was such a great point. Um, I'm seeing that daily. Um, you go on YouTube, right, and you're watching something unrelated to crypto, and you might see an ad come up saying this next coin is going to go a thousand x. It's suckering in a lot of people, and these are total and utter pyramid schemes and scams. Um, it's a real worry because there's a lot of uneducated investors. They've got a lot of free time. You know, with COVID, there's lockdowns all over the world, and they're glued to their screens, wondering how they can make money. Um, and another really big problem we have currently is people coming into the market, seeing the gains, and then they want to start from a, a massively low base. So a really small investment. They, they just want to get the next big coin that explodes and they want to day trade. So those are the big ones that we find. Um, you know, small base want to find the next Bitcoin, which just is possible, uh, or they want to day trade. They want to get into the market and Look, trading is a mug's game. If you don't have professional training, it will tear you up. It will absolutely tear you up. And it's a very short uh, drive from, uh, you know, trading spot on an exchange and then going to 100x leverage and then getting yourself in a, in a massive hole. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's a big problem. But, yeah, scans, with, with all that, education is absolutely key. Um, and it's something we take very, very seriously. It's one of our core pillars in terms of educating investors on how to identify uh, scams. Um, and often it's quite easy. If you just do a simple amount of searching on a coin, don't take anything on face value. Do your research. Don't invest in anything that you don't know about. I mean, that's the biggest key. Don't throw your money away at, at these you know, 
promises the moon cryptocurrencies and stuff because there's a lot of fantastic projects and investments inside of cryptocurrency and again there's so many shit coins as well like they are just there to take your money and pump it up that's it that's it you've got to do your due diligence you know even just looking at their website some of them just look like a hallmark card <laughs> and it's it's horrible because people are giving away their money because a lot of a lot of these companies, I assume, would do something like they, you know, it's like a startup almost. They get like investors in, yeah, and then they, yeah, yeah, and then they try and uh, get their public value to a certain position. Correct. They sell yeah. off, and then you're probably left with that. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of legitimate investing that we're involved with, um, and pointing our clients in the right direction. And there's some serious money to be made in these projects, um, but you need to know what to look for. Um, yeah, so they go through a process where they, so you say, let's go back to 2017 when there was that big ICO boom, which was initial coin offerings on Ethereum. That's basically what created this massive retail um, boom and bust, right? Was basically, people were just creating, you know, Raul coin, Sam coin every single day. And they were all worthless shit coins. They were just to pump and dump and make money quick, right? They were all fake. Um, and eventually that whole thing explodes because the demand isn't there to continue that that parabolic rise. It can't continue to go up. Uh, and, and this that bust that happened in 2018, where the market just got crushed, like minus, you know, down 80%, down 90%, some of those coins just ceased to exist, right? So these flushes were inevitable, um, but it was so vital for the future continuation of cryptocurrency to where it is now, because it just crushed all the, the fake scams and whatnot. And if you look at these cycles, it's going to happen again. So if you're investing in the wrong shit now, yeah, you might make some money in the short term, but are you educated enough to know when to take profits, when to get out of those? Are you smart enough to identify that that is something you don't want to be involved in? And so are you prepared for when this does turn on its head? Because we know that Bitcoin and crypto go through these four-year cycles where there's you know, a couple of years of a bear market and that's you know serious downtime where the market can retrace up to 80, 90. You've got to be prepared for volatility. And it, and, but then it comes back and it always comes back harder than the previous cycle. From what I have experienced, that's what the data tells us, what history tells us. But this cycle is different. This, and then you might hear, oh, God, here we go. You just don't know how it's different. Oh, it's different this time. But it truly is Everything I'm seeing, all the data I'm seeing, this is not retail driven like 2017. That was crazy mania where, you know, your dad's in on it, your mate's in on it. Everyone and their dog are buying cryptocurrencies to make a quick buck. They have no idea what they're investing in and they got wrecked hard. This, this isn't retail at all, this run. This is totally institutional buyers. So when I say institutional buyers, I mean corporations, hedge funds. The biggest pockets. I mean, a huge thing to happen not long ago was Elon Musk buying up yeah. a whole bunch. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, that was a game changer. That puts it in pop culture for the next 10 years. And it brings the sentiment um, with it. But the before Elon Musk, because Elon Musk buying it was huge news. It, it is a game changer in the eyes of many people. But before that, the probably the biggest moment was when a company called uh, Mass Mutual invested in insurance fund. They are very conservative with their assets and their balance books. They don't make these decisions without serious due diligence. There was also another conservative fund in the UK called Ruffers that invested, I think it was 250 million or 500 million 
uh, in Bitcoin. They made a few billion off it. Uh, and then had to rebalance their portfolio because it just outsized the performance of Bitcoin completely outsized the performance of their overall portfolio and they had to rebalance back down to you know one to five percent allocation. And then there's a company on Wall Street called MicroStrategy. This company has probably done more for Bitcoin adoption than any other company on the planet, and not many people know about it. It's a uh, computer technology company, and it's run by a, a rocket scientist from MIT called Michael Saylor. I'd encourage anyone to go watch some videos that Microsoft has done. He educates people on why he invested billions of dollars of his company's assets into Bitcoin and why they're so bullish on it. It's just incredible. He, he ran a, um, a forum in New York, uh, which encompassed about 2,000 corporations because they're all interested in buying. There also was a survey done recently of most of the Fortune 500 CEOs you know, in America, 5% were willing to put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. It, you know, this kind of demand dynamic where these companies are run by some really smart, savvy people um, and you're betting against them now. That's what blows me away. Um, I prefer to trust in, you know, companies, corporations, smart people that need to preserve their wealth over a government telling you that this isn't something you want to be involved in. And they do that constantly. So Bitcoin is going to you know, blow up. And it's incredibly uh, hysterical when they're standing on this, you know, what is it, $100 trillion dynamite called the, you know, the US dollar or the currency. Um, but, you know, if they, if they came out and were honest, it, it would likely cause a massive panic. So, yeah, I'm with the, the smart people in the room. And that, that's what I'm basing my investment thesis on as well. You, you go with the smart investors. Um, if you, you don't think you're, I mean, I've done my dealings, I've done my research, I've grown my conviction over the last four years. But if I look at all the people that are in it, you just follow that intellect. And it's pretty mind-blowing. How much is one Bitcoin worth right now? Australian dollars, it actually got up to $80,000 um, last week. It's pulled back now, but in the US dollars, it's worth... It's it fifty-three thousand US dollars. How much to give people an understanding? How much was Bitcoin worth back in twenty seventeen? For uh, example, so the parabolic top, so the highest point of that run, was twenty thousand dollars, give or take, um, and then it retraced all the way to three thousand US dollars. So I was, you know, bending the ear of friends and family like last year when Bitcoin in Australian dollars, let's say, got down to around six, six or seven thousand dollars. And I was just like, guys, you've got to look at this. It's, you know, it, seriously, it should not be worth this much. It's just like a COVID, you know, um, a COVID thing. Every single market got crushed because it was just a lack of confidence everywhere. The US dollar went up and everything got absolutely smashed. Uh, but yeah, and I was betting everyone's ears, um, just saying the fundamentals have not changed. Just the environment around us has changed. It will go back um, to where it should be. And to people who don't understand that, that means that you could have bought a Bitcoin for three to... Eight thousand dollars. Correct. So you could buy you could buy a whole Bitcoin for five or six thousand um, dollars. And now that one so Bitcoin would be worth eight thousand. Yeah, you made a lot of money. Uh, absolutely. But you know, I know people too that bought previous to last cycle. They bought you know Bitcoin when it was you know, hundred to a thousand dollars each. But the thing as well, there's this massive misconception with Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a full Bitcoin. Okay, because that, that was my next question. Because people 
I think that's a huge thing that maybe stops people from investing in it. They see the value of one Bitcoin and they don't understand that. Um, it's, it's unit bias. Yes. Absolutely, it's unit bias. Uh, and that's actually what we find drives people and uneducated investors towards the altcoins. And we say altcoins because that's alternative currencies. And obviously they're money. worth a lot less, so they Correct. seem like an easier investment. Yeah. Um, uh, how much? How much? How little can one invest in Bitcoin? Any amount you like. So, so it's no different than you say, I want to invest $500 and then that buys you whatever it buys you at the time. Correct. You can like say gold, you want to buy $100 worth of gold. You can go right now and buy $100 worth of Bitcoin. Uh, it, there's a lot of strategies that include dollar cost averaging. So uh, I really enjoy the dollar cost averaging strategy where every single week you don't give a shit about the price. Just put away 5 10% of your paycheck and just buy it. And that's what I did all through like the last you know, three years because I believed in it so much. And when I say believed in it, you know, it's not. It, I understand the risk. It could not turn out to be what I think it is. But that's all about correct portfolio management. You know, you don't, you have to mitigate your risk. You don't have all your eggs in one basket. If you're just putting, you know, five, you know, one to five percent of your portfolio in this as insurance in case the worst happens. And right now, the worst is slowly happening right before our eyes. And a small allocation of your portfolio into that right now, I think, is a smart position. If, you don't, if you're not looking at Bitcoin right now, uh, as a financial planner, as a financial manager, then you're probably going to regret it in the next five to ten years, just with the way things are going. Um, actually, I forgot what we were saying. I got off tangent there. But, um, no, no, I was just, uh, I had asked, you know, there's no minimum amount that you can buy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's really important um, because, it, again, it makes new investors, let's say if they load up, say, CoinSpot, which is an exchange in Australia, trusted exchange in Australia, they're, they're audited, um, so you can trust them. Okay, maybe there. What? Where do you go if you want to buy Bitcoin? Oh yeah. Um, so if anyone wants to buy Bitcoin, um, I, I I use CoinSpot. Um, I use Binance. That's an international exchange as well. So what's CoinSpot? CoinSpot is an exchange based here in Australia, where you can purchase any amount of cryptocurrency you want. The key when you are buying any cryptocurrency is to completely knuckle down on the security and safety aspect. Of what you're doing before because again crypto is all about becoming your own bank and you've got to take that responsibility seriously you've got to go out and invest in a hardware wallet you've got to store your cryptos offline away from hackers so you say if i went to coinspot and bought let's just say a thousand dollars worth of bitcoin it's just sitting there in the coinspot wallet on my account there is a risk that a very smart hacker could hack their exchange because it's a because again, that is a centralized company. How big is that risk, percentage wise? Give uh, or take. Oof, I don't know what a percentage was. I, I just you I, you I just you don't you factor it in. You you would you would think it's so risky that you should just make sure to take the precautions. Absolutely, I I would take the precaution every yeah. single time. If you're dealing with my kind of idea is if you're dealing with any more money than your than say two or three times your weekly wage, get it the hell off the exchange because there is a risk and. Look, I can't put a percentage on it. No, no, I understand. Money. Yeah, it's it's risky, so why risk well, it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Don't you know, risk it for the biscuit kids. Yeah, exactly. Every single client we deal with, it's always before you even enter the market. Get yourself a hard wallet. What's a hard wallet? So hard I'm, I'm, envi- I'm envisioning like a really <laughs> tough leather thing. Uh, <laughs> well, you can invest in that, obviously, if you, if you wanted to. I, no, do, so I do need a nice wallet. So the, the only difference between a... Wallet, let's say a software wallet and a hard wallet. So a software wallet is what I was just explaining to you on CoinSpot, where you've got your Bitcoin stored on their exchange. 
it's connected to the internet, so it's a hot wallet. So it can be hacked. Uh, a really you know smart hacker can hack that their centralized exchange. Okay, I didn't realize. So a hard wallet is literally a wallet where you put the Bitcoin. Literally, it looks like a USB. Oh wow! Yeah, so you you get it. So you've got a little kind of USB. I understand device. now. Yeah, and it stores. You know, this is where it's going to get a bit confusing. Stores your private key. So you can store your private. So if you have your private key, there's a public key and a private key. One is basically your um, your bank account, and one's your password. Your private key is your password. Anyone can take a private key and look at your transactions and whatnot. But unless they have your private key, they can't take your, you move around your cryptocurrency. So storing that private key is absolutely massive. You want to keep that off exchanges. Uh, you want to keep that in a hardware wallet where it's offline. It's called a cold storage wallet. And you'll hear this probably more and more. There's what a lot of institutions use. Is this literally something that you keep with yourself or do you do it somewhere? You can keep it with yourself. It's kind of like a passcode on it. And yeah. if you enter the incorrect passcode three times, it wipes and you need to get a new one. But it's got a recovery phrase. So if you if your house gets burnt down or you get burgled or you take it, because I've taken mine overseas because I don't want access to my crypto in case something crazy happens in the market, I need a hedge or I need to liquidate, whatever, take it with me. I know though, if I lose it, it's no big deal because they'll need to know my passcode for that. And I can always recover. So if, okay, let's just say I'm overseas, it gets stolen off me, right? All I have to do is go buy another, and they're called, one's called a Legend NOS, which I you know, highly recommend. When you set it up, you have a recovery phrase attached to it, and it's a you know, 26 word recovery phrase written down on a piece of paper. You can get that etched in gold if you want and put it in a bank account. As long as you have that, you can just buy another one and recover it. Recover your access to the blockchain. You've said lots of interesting things. I think I'm the most taken aback by this hard wallet concept. This is quite hard. This literally is a hard wallet. This is quite hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but software wallets, they're just transitory things. You use them to go on and liquidate tokens. You can short term, I would never store your crypto on them at all. Especially with overseas exchanges. You just don't know the security protocols. There's no actual Bitcoin, like coin that says Correct. Bit. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, another one I, I constantly get. Yeah, in, in essence, no cryptocurrency ever leaves the blockchain. It's always on the blockchain. You're just transferring the access to that on the blockchain. And that's where those private keys come into the to the fore. And again, this is probably not as high level <laughs> for a lot of people, and it's probably going to confuse a lot of people. And this is probably one of crypto's downsides currently, is it's the difficulty on entry. So you need to be educated in how to safely store your crypto. And this is, I guess, why people still maybe prefer banks, even if crypto really takes off, is because they take care of everything for you. You, you can call someone if something goes wrong. You know, they take a lot of the risk out of the process when you store your money with them. But with crypto, if you're being your own bank, you have to take that responsibility seriously. You have to, to sort everything out. Once you get it sorted out, it's no big deal at all. But yes, you, you do want to think about this. I had a very good question, mm, I th and that's all right. Uh, this is not the moment to get blank. Okay, so I'm going to ask you hard questions now. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> haven't been hard to. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I am quite interested in, in politics yeah. and, and things of the world. That's right. So is cryptocurrency good? Is cryptocurrency good for the people? 
or is it not good for the people? And I'm okay. I'm going to say this in like maybe blunt terms. So uh, we live in like a world that's mm. like uh, you know we we live in we live in a capitalist society. Yes. Uh, and uh, I would say most people probably uh, half and half, right? Like capitalism, yeah. half the world doesn't. Cause, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, I'm someone who, you know, personally, like I have done well in that sort of system, mm-hmm. right? I think most people who are entrepreneurial mm-hmm. tend to do well in that, but I can, I'm, I can also understand how that system probably doesn't favor a lot of people. Um, so yeah, does cryptocurrency, is cryptocurrency good for uh, a, a more socialist type uh, society or is it better for a more capitalist type society? I think it's what makes Bitcoin and crypto just so amazing is it takes the politics out of it. It's all based on math and code. It takes out all the emotion. You know, you're not relying on a government's political agenda. You're not relying on a third, but you're not relying on a bank to tell you what to do with your own money. It's you. It's all you. Um Socialist, you know, um, capitalist doesn't matter. It's it's just how you store your monetary energy without it losing value. That, that's the core thing behind Bitcoin. So it's, it's like apolitical, kind of like people yeah. are asexual, apolitical. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I, I love Bitcoin in that respect because I see what's happening with the grander trend. We're going to central bank digital tokens. A big one that is a massive concern, and you were saying earlier about your concerns with censorship and, and things like that you know a lot of control is coming what will blow your mind is what's happening with the central bank digital token of china uh, the digital yuan that's already been released but it's slowly being rolled out in china what it gives the ccp the ability to do is monitor every single transaction you ever do what you spend it on you know your habits there's no freedom anymore bitcoin is monetary freedom at its core and it is very libertarian in that respect. I'm not a libertarian, but I can see the appeal. And I don't want a government to tell me, or a bank, to tell me what to do with my own money. And I'm storing that, that hard-earned monetary energy that I have worked very hard for in something that I believe won't depreciate in value and no third-party or entity can touch and can't inflate it into buggery. And as long as I'm in my, my own bank, you know, they can't, nothing can really touch it unless, you know, something happens to the, you know, overall network. And there are risks to that, but again, that's not very high level. Um, yeah, the Chinese central bank digital token is just a foreshadowing of what's coming. Um, the euro is going digital. The US dollar is going digital. Australia will go to a, a digital currency as well. And the thing everyone, oh, I get asked all the time, like, oh, I want to invest in the Chinese digital currency or I want to invest in the US dollar currency. And it comes out, it's like, what do you mean? It's just a digital version of the current fiat paper dollar. It's still at the whim of inflationary impulses. It's still at the whim of their the ability to print the crap out of it. It's not going to change the value of it. So, yeah, again, Bitcoin is an insurance policy um, against tyrannical governments, Um and a good example of, say, in Syria, right, all those people that had to flee their homes in that war across borders, across time and space, right, how could they transport their wealth that they were leaving behind in their villages or, you know, in their cities? Would they stuff a bunch of gold down there? Would they stuff a bunch of jewellery in their suitcases that could be easily confiscated at the border? 
like they're probably bartering with the, the border guards to get them into Turkey. Maybe if you know one of these families has had a generation of businesses that they had to leave. Uh, maybe they had money in their bank account, but they can't take it with them. The ATM's probably all out because it's power, right? If they had a Bitcoin wallet address, all they have to know is their private key and keep that in their head. No one can take that from them unless through torture or, or whatnot. But if they remember their private key, they can walk across the border, they can start a new life somewhere else and access all their money in another country. And that is mind-blowing to me. So when you say, is it for the people? Absolutely. I think it removes the horrible crony capitalism that's, or just the greed that's been centralised around money for so long and puts it back into our power. It decentralises the monetary system back into our power. And I find that incredibly interesting and powerful. And it could be one of these... I personally think Bitcoin is one of the most significant technological inventions of probably of all time, since the internet. Uh, and you're seeing that. You're seeing a lot of smart people wake up to it. I think that's a great place to leave the podcast, Sam. <laughs> if people wanted to find you or, um, yeah, where can they do so? What, where, where, what, what references do you have? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, this is your moment to like tell people where to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would reach out to me on Twitter. I'm very prolific on Twitter. Um, Samuel P. MacD. Um, and also I'm on Facebook. You can find me there as well. Um, you can also check out our website, uh, Crypto Consulting Institute, and we can also have a chat if you're willing or say, want to um, learn a lot more about cryptocurrency in the investing sense, uh, about how to, say, look at the market, analyse it, invest safely if that's if that's something you want to do then then we can chat um but there is obviously no obligation um but just monitor what's happening just have a look around you and see the trends see the trends of what's happening um because i think we'll all be interacting with blockchain and bitcoin in some manner in the next 10 years um and a lot of i'll just finish with this as well a lot of people are worried about bitcoin volatility you know it goes up and down up and down and whatnot. But if you think about this for the long term, short term volatility shouldn't matter. Bitcoin is up on average 200% per year since inception. And if you just buy and hold, let's say you, you've made quite a lot of money over that period. Um, but the volatility, you just have to have a long term time horizon. With cryptocurrency, if you think it's going to be a thing, small portion of your allocation long-term time horizon zoom out don't get affected by the short-term noise it is all just noise if you've done your research yeah it's a, it's an incredible space thank you very much for coming on today sam hopefully um yeah i think i'll get you back on and we'll chat some yeah, more in depth deep, but yeah. we can go very deep all right thank you very much for listening today guys uh thank you sam and uh yeah hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed the show take care and peace thanks everyone